0: At this point, I'd like to invite Reverend Dr. Mary Halst, Chaplin of Calvin University to come on to stage. Uh, I have the pleasure of introducing Mary here and I thought about how to do this and what I came up with is her credentials are so long and you're so qualified to be here. Uh, in addition to being my preaching professor, once upon a time. And so, if you like what's going on here on the weekends, This is the one. If you don't like what happens here, um, exits are in the back. This is not gonna go. (laughs) Oh man, but I'm so honored that she's here. Obviously uh, chaplain at Calvin University, uh, but more important for this morning, my friend and mentor is here to continue the series, to be continued, a series on Acts. Remember Acts is 28 chapters long. You and I were chapter 29. Let's welcome Mary to the stage. It is a joy to be at Encounter this morning. I'm so glad to be here. And I'm really honored that Dirk gave me this Sunday because on this Sunday, everyone's extra rested. Everyone's like super chill. You're very awake. And uh, that's a true gift, that's a true sacrifice. So thank you, Pastor Dirk, for that. Um, As he said, we are continuing this series on the book of Acts, and so the section we're going to read this morning is from Acts 21, and it starts a bit like a travel log, so just hang in there, because you're, unless you had a map in front of you, it's a little hard to figure out what they're talking about, so just hang in there, but there are, uh, there's movement happening, Paul and Luke and others are on their way to Jerusalem And this is what happens. This is Acts 21. Uh, You can read it on the screen, Bible app, verses 1 through 14. Hear the word of the Lord. After we had torn ourselves away from them, that is the friends in Ephesus, we put out to sea and sailed straight to Kos. The next day we went to Rhodes and from there to Patera. We found a ship crossing over to Phoenicia, went on board and set sail. After sighting Cyprus and passing to the south of it, we sailed on to Syria. We landed at Tyre where our ship was to unload its cargo. We sought out the disciples there and stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. When it was time to leave, we left and continued on our way. All of them, including wives and children, accompanied us out of the city, and there on the beach, we knelt to pray. After saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship, and they returned home. We continued our voyage from Tyre and landed at Ptolemaeus, where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. After we'd been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, the Holy Spirit says in this way that Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, We and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he said he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said the Lord's will be done. This is the word of the Lord. So Paul, here in this story, is walking into trouble. He knows it. His friends know it. They're talking about it. And in this story, Paul seems kind of arrogant. Like, he knows what he's doing. He seems stubborn. He's choosing to walk into a situation that everyone is warning him is going to be a bad situation. We read this text... We think about Paul and we're wondering, like, is this the first century version of hold my beer? (laughs) Is this a moment of like, you think I can't do this? You think I can't go to Jerusalem on my own? Watch me. Hold my beer. Because Paul is choosing to move into a problem. He's choosing to move into hardship. And you and I don't do that. We do not choose hardship, we choose comfort, we like convenience, we use the app so that our latte is ready exactly how we want it, when we want it. We read all the reviews so we get the absolute best pet bed. We say the name Alexa more than we say the names of our family members. We love convenience. We love comfort. This is how we order our lives. This is how we tip. And so we see Paul embracing a challenge, embracing something that people say, I don't think you should do this. And we wonder, why on earth is he moving toward this struggle? Well, to understand Paul in chapter 21, we need to remember what Paul has been about all the way up in the first 20 chapters. You remember in chapter 5 that the disciples were persecuted, and their response was to say that they felt honored to suffer for the name of Jesus. You may remember in chapter 13, That the disciples were kicked out of a city. And they shook the dust off their feet and moved on. And the Holy Spirit described them as filled with joy. Filled with joy and the Holy Spirit because they got persecuted. So to understand what's happening here in 21, we need to understand that In the first 20 chapters, we've seen that the early Christians did not shy away from trouble. They knew that proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ would lead to trouble, would lead to suffering. They knew it. It was part of the deal. And so we read this and we think, wow, they're moving into suffering, suffering for the name of Jesus And that's a suffering that most of us can't really relate to. The suffering of a body breaking down, we can relate to that. The suffering of losing someone we love, we can relate to that. The suffering of extended mental illness, of financial challenges, of parenting problems, We can relate to that type of suffering, but suffering for the name of Jesus is something most of us do not have much experience with. But our global brothers and sisters do. In Iran last year, three men and one woman converted from Islam to Christianity, which is illegal in Iran. The three men were beaten and thrown into prison. The woman was harassed on social media, she was brutally assaulted, and no one knows what happened to her. In the African country of Eritrea, there were people gathering on a Sunday just like we do. And the police came in through the doors, herded them all up, the 29 people who were there worshiping Jesus, gathered them together and marched them down to jail and imprisoned them. at Zion Reformed Church in China. The people there were gathered together worshiping. Police came in to raid them, and they asked them all to sign a document that said they would never go to church again. The people who were worshiping refused to sign the document, and so they were all fined a significant amount, and the two pastors were taken into prison. Persecuted for the name of Jesus. Suffering for the good news. Now, here in the United States, thanks be to God, it's not illegal to be a Christian, but it can be awkward, and it can cost us. had a student, whom I'll call Nikki, who became a Christian when she was in high school, someone invited her to youth group When she was a junior, she loved it. She met Jesus. She was baptized. She got involved in the church. And because she got involved in the church, she decided she wanted to go to a Christian college. Her parents didn't believe in any of this. They weren't all about this at all. They thought it was a phase. They thought she would outgrow it. They thought she'd give up this idea of going to a Christian college. But she persisted. She was like, no, I really want to go to a Christian college. And so to finally get her to change her mind, they said, well, you're welcome to go wherever you want, but if it's a Christian college, we're not going to pay for it. So by now, she's a senior in high school, and all the money she had planned on for college was gone. And much to her parents' surprise, she got another job, She took out loans. She met with the financial aid people and figured out how she could pay to come to Calvin. And every time she went home, her parents would say to her, Really? You're still doing this? Her brother would scoff at her. You gave up money for college because of your faith? She pressed on. She graduated from Calvin. They came to the graduation, but they still don't believe. And Nikki has been working. She's worked to pay off all those loans. She took some years there, and now she's going to seminary. It may not be illegal to be a Christian in the United States, but it can be awkward. It can be painful, and it can cost us. If you've been away from your family for a while and you're planning to go home for Thanksgiving, what would it do at the Thanksgiving table if you walked in and said, hey, let's all talk at the table about what God's been up to in our lives? How would that go? Would you get the uncle and aunt side eye? Would you get the, like, what? What happened to this kid? What happened to this person? How many of us would bring the coffee break tomorrow? to a screeching halt if we said that we were in church today and wanted to talk about it? How many of us get sweaty palms when we think about inviting someone to our Bible study? How many of our friends even know we go to Bible study? We often hide our faith For our own comfort. Paul wasn't interested in that. He was not interested in his own comfort. And while we can read this text as Paul being arrogant or stubborn, the truth of the matter is he didn't listen to his friends in this moment because he was listening to someone else, he was listening to the Holy Spirit. And as you've been walking through the book of Acts, you've seen how the Holy Spirit shows up again and again and again. And you may remember that earlier in the story, Paul and his friends wanted to go to Asia. They're like, we think this is the next place for us to go. And the Holy Spirit said, no. And they went to Macedonia instead. So, Paul has learned in these first 20 chapters of the book of Acts, he's learned when the Holy Spirit is saying no and when the Holy Spirit is saying go. So, these words that his friends took as prohibition don't go, he received as preparation get ready. Get ready. And the whole object lesson from Agabus who came there, who they all know is an accurate prophet because he accurately prophesied a famine back in chapter 11. That whole little object lesson with the binding of the hands and the feet, that's good intel for Paul. He's not going to be surprised when that happens to him. He's like, oh yeah, Agabus mentioned this. So he is ready. This is why he says to them, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready. Ready. Not only to be bound, but also to die for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, the Holy Spirit had been shaping him and equipping him and preparing him so that Paul knew he wasn't going into Jerusalem by himself. He wasn't going in on his own power, his own intellect. He was going in with the power of the Holy Spirit. And he was going in with the power of all of his friends' prayers. So he knew that even though this may be scary and there may be things that are hard, he knows he's ready because the Holy Spirit has prepared him. The Holy Spirit has been shaping his whole journey until now. So he is free to set aside comfort and choose courage. And that's exactly what we get to do. Because the same Holy Spirit that was in the life of Paul, that's the same Holy Spirit we have. That's the exact same Holy Spirit who came down on Pentecost and empowered the believers. This is the Holy Spirit that Jesus said, the Holy Spirit's going to tell you what you need to say when you need to say it. In John, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit is your comforter. Right before he ascends into heaven, he says, the Holy Spirit's going to come, and I can't wait for you to have the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers you to set aside comfort and choose courage. The Holy Spirit empowers us to set aside comfort and choose courage. So maybe our first act this morning is to talk to the Holy Spirit and say, okay, where am I hiding? Where am I hesitating? Where am I choosing comfort over courage? Show me the areas in my life where I don't talk about the fact that I go to church or I love Jesus. Show me those areas where I choose comfort. And then The next baby step would be, all right, Holy Spirit, who should I be praying for? Who in my life needs to hear the good news of Jesus? And you may be surprised who the Holy Spirit brings to mind. Could be your barista. Could be your parents. Could be your coach. But when we say to the Holy Spirit, all right, prepare me. He will prepare us. The Holy Spirit is not interested in us going out and falling on our faces. The Holy Spirit does not throw us in the deep water before we know how to swim. He is with us every step of the way to say, I got you. We can do this. We're doing this together. Let's go. I'm so excited. So when you have that conversation that makes your hands all sweaty and makes your heart beat fast because for the first time you're going to bring faith into this conversation with your coworker. For the first time you're going to offer to be the one who prays before Thanksgiving meal. For the first time you're going to talk to a teammate on the bus about Jesus. When you're in those conversations we're like I don't know this is I can't even I don't even have any words. The Holy Spirit's like yeah Let's go! Let's go! I got this! I'm with you. You and me, we can do this together. And that multiplied by all of us leads to amazing things. Leads to more and more people coming to know the good news of Jesus Christ. Because we're willing to set aside our comfort and choose courage empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is what we get to do as followers of Jesus Christ. This is what we get to do. So God is laying someone on your heart. There's someone in your life that needs you to talk with them about faith gently and calmly and lovingly. And maybe you think, well, I, the person that came to mind, I thought that person was a believer. okay. All of us have been believers. We know we've got seasons when we're struggling. We've got seasons when it's hard. We've got seasons when we're suffering. And we need somebody to come along and remind us of the deep truth of why we trust in this God that we just sang about. This is what we get to do. And the God who is with Paul is the God who is with us. Who sends us out with courage courage and confidence and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Blessed be his holy name. Amen. Will you pray with me? God, we give you praise and thanks for you are the one who equips us and empowers us. Give us eyes to see where in our own lives we hesitate or hide our faith. The places where we choose comfort over courage. And we ask for your anointing power on us. We ask that we have the courage to bring it up, to have the hard conversation, to send the email, to send the text, to move a relationship deeper into talking about the good news of Jesus. God, we know people who need to be set free, who need to be picked up, their lives turned around. They need to have their heart changed for you. And you choose us to be your partners in that. What an amazing gift that is. So come Holy Spirit, extend your church. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people say, Amen.